Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's News Tonight, the weeknight news show where we're joined by special guests and our lovely patrons to discuss the day's gaming news. I'm your host, Ash Paulson, and today I'm joined by my good friend and GVG co-founder, Steve Bowling, and and a car, and a cardboard car, <laughs> and, and that's our... Der- Derek has decided to, to move on to greener pastures. No, so uh, Derek, unfortunately, is running late. He's stuck in traffic, so uh, Steve copied a copied a uh, <laughs> picture of this lovely car into where he would normally be his camera feed would be and uh so yeah hopefully he will join us you know part way through this recording uh but otherwise today we don't actually have a special guest so it's just going to be uh me and steve and possibly derek uh if he gets here halfway through uh but before we jump into the news steve how was your this is our first post christmas post holidays episode of tnt how were your holidays man Oh, man, they were so good. Um, you know, I mentioned it in our pre-show, which you can get over at patreon.com slash gvgaming, shameless plug. But um, <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time just playing games for fun, which I really don't get to do often enough. I played a lot of Fantasy Star Online 2. Uh, I played a lot of Street Fighter, which, again, I, I, I have to try to stay away from when I have other things to do because I can get sucked into just hours of ranked matches. Um, and I played a bit of Super Mario 35. I had a lot of fun. You know, I had all my kids home. We we baked cookies. We did the whole, you know, the, the whole traditional Christmas thing that families do. I, I wore an ugly sweater. <laughs> so nice. it was it was a really, really great time. And I really enjoyed disconnecting from the Internet and just, you know, spending time with family and video games and all that fun stuff, man. Uh, you know, I do miss the ability to go out and do things and see people yeah. because the one thing I definitely Same. missed this year was all my friends, right? Yeah. Like all all the people that wouldn't that don't live with me. <laughs> so yeah. um yeah, I miss that a lot. I miss, you know, the typical like pre Christmas parties and that kind of thing. So uh hopefully those will return next year. But it, it definitely was good. You know, definitely a good quiet holiday. How about yours, man? Um, pretty much the same. I mean, my, my wife and I just kind of hunkered down. Uh, we, neither of us saw our families because of course of everything going on, which was definitely a shame. You know, we miss our families, we miss our friends. Uh, but you know, just uh, all in the interest of, you know, safety first and, and, and health first. And hopefully by this time next year, all this is a distant memory and we'll all be vaccinated and, and we can all just get back to at least some sense of normal life whatever that even means anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we just kind of hunkered down, um, played some games and, and watched some movies. We watched uh, soul, the Pixar's new movie soul. And I just ugly cried my way through the pretty much the second half of that movie, which is all me ugly crying. It was uh, certainly not uh, unassailable. There are, there are criticisms to be made of the movie for sure, but I really enjoyed it. And it was, it was one of those up style, just, it, Oh I no. Think, the more of an adult, like the, the older you are, the more it resonates. I think for kids, it's probably a little, it's just, it's a fun movie. But if I you're need, an adult, it's, I need to see that because my wife calls should. up my cry movie, which is yeah. absolutely true. Anytime I, I feel like I need to get some, some hard feelings out and have a good yeah. cry, I, I put on up. So, same. Um, same thing. Man, knowing Soul hits that same way, I might have to watch it sooner rather than later. My kids have seen it, but yeah, like you said, to kids, it was just a fun movie. They're like, yeah, it was pretty good. Right. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, no, no, it definitely hit in the same way. Maybe not quite to that level because, I mean, Up is just, it's like driving a stake through your stomach. It's just, it's, you know, especially yeah. if you're an adult. But but Soul gets there for sure. It, it definitely, uh, it, it's it's up there too. Um, and f- you can't really tell in the back, but uh, we've got our first rainstorm in L.A. Oh, wow. Over the past 24 hours. Probably the first rain we've had, uh, or at least serious rain we've had in 
literally eight or nine months or something. Like for someone like me who loves rainy, windy, stormy weather and to live in LA is kind of rough because it's always yeah. so reliably warm and sunny here. But, uh, you know, me being me uh, at about 1230 AM uh, today, I guess uh, it was coming down in sheets, which of course was my cue to go out in my shorts and t-shirt and uh, <laughs> just soak it all up and just be like, make me feel alive again. Like uh, Gray Fox <laughs> style in Metal Gear Solid. Um, but it, you know, so I just kind of got my holiday winter storm in and that was a lot of fun. Uh, nice. and, uh, as I mentioned to you or showed you guys in the channel, my younger sister-in-law came, uh, she was my secret Santa this year and she got me these, uh, for Christmas. She, uh, she got Okami HD and Yakuza 7. Um, now of course people know Okami is like my second favorite game of all time, but now I can play it in 4k. And so I, I requested the PS4 version. I have to see that game in 4k because it's already mind blowing. At 1080p. Nice. That is That was not an intentional Game Explain review reference, but yeah, it, it was mind-blowing in 1080p. Um, and Yakuza <laughs> 7, so I don't know when I'll get a chance to play it, but I so want to, and I've been so just itching to get into Yakuza. So uh, other than that, though, I mainly just played, uh, other than stuff with my wife, I played some Age of Calamity over the holidays just because that's one of those rare, very rare games where it's actually making me want to 100% it. I never wow. want to 100% games anymore. But I guess, oh, there's my signature Los Angeles siren in the background. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I can't get enough of this game. And I, I think it's because everything's so streamlined that there's obviously some grinding to do to, do to get to 100%, but it's nowhere near the level of grinding you would need to do in a game like the original Hyrule Warriors. Like, not even close. So it's That's like, true. Yeah, so it's like, it, it's just tractable enough that I want to get 100% and just see everything because it's such a fun game. And it's just great to look at, even despite the performance issues. I was just having a great time with it. So yeah, I I think that I I like Hyrule Warriors plenty. I I didn't feel like after I beat it, I needed to keep going. But mm-hmm. now that I know some of the stuff you unlock as you continue to grind towards one hundred percent, I'm like, man, I might I might need to come back because <laughs> uh, some some of those late you know end game unlockables are are ridiculous like they're really good ones for once so right uh, when i when i find the time <laughs> exactly well, I, plus i mean you should at least do the first major unlockable because that kind of comes with the yes. true ending or like a second part of the ending kind of yeah so absolutely. that's what we're seeing yeah yeah I've, i'm i'm almost there to that one so i'll probably end up doing that before okay. our discussion yeah, that definitely that definitely choked me up. That uh, kind of extra ending that you get, so it, it, it's nice. worth checking it out. Um, just really quick, uh, I've seen some people in the chat uh, during the pre-show talk about the Capcom Retro Station that literally just got confirmed for a worldwide release. That happened as we were going into you know recording on this show, so we won't be talking about that today, but we'll very likely cover it on Wednesday. So if you're wondering where that story is, uh, that's just it literally dropped as we were getting this started. So. Uh, yeah, that's why we are not going to talk about that today. But with that said, Steve, uh, you were talking about playing some retro games over the holidays earlier, and I think that's a really great way to start. So let's go ahead and get our first news story up on the screen, uh, up on the screen here. Sure thing. And this comes by way of NBC Connecticut. And this is just a really cool feel good story to start <laughs> us off after the holidays. So a Dallas house was a suburb, like a suburban Dallas house was, transformed into a life-size super mario brothers 3 set where essentially like they built this uh they, they turned i guess what looks like their steps or the area in front of their steps into a an nes console with two controllers in front 
and then they painted their garage door, or at least, a, I guess they're not their garage door, but a side of their house to resemble a screenshot from Mario 3. And it's such a cool, creative endeavor. And uh, the the reason why these people did it, uh, Katie Milam is is uh, one of the people who owns the house who you know that, that transformed into Mario Three, and she says she just wanted to spread cheer and silliness and playfulness uh, from the new story. Katie and her husband Mike transformed their house into a giant Nintendo gaming system, uh, complete with a Mario Brothers game playing on a makeshift television screen. Um, so, what do you think of this, Steve? Have you seen these uh, really cool pictures yet? Yeah, yeah, I was actually just looking at them as you were reading the story, just because I hadn't had a chance to, because we were kind of, <laughs> kind of in a rush. Um, yeah. So I love this. I mean, right? You know, we were just talking about how the uh, holidays have been kind of rough, and you know, this year with everything going on, that that has been a little hard to feel that same amount of cheer and uh, and and good vibes that you feel around the holidays usually. Uh, so for somebody to go out of their way, you know, for no clear, real benefit to do something like this is just so yeah. awesome. Because I know one of my favorite things, you know, again, in this really weird time that we're in, uh, was to take my kids out and we just hop in the car and go drive around and look at Christmas lights yeah. or, or decorations right. that people put up. You know, we'd get some hot chocolate we'd and we'd drive around because, you know, we wanted the kids to have fun, but we wanted to stay safe. And... I, I couldn't help but think about how thoughtful people have been this holiday season. Just, you know, I mean, decorating their houses, putting out crazy, awesome displays like this for people to enjoy for, I mean, they don't get paid for this. There's no monetary gain. There's no right. real, you know, end run here. So it, it's really cool for people to just do this to make both themselves. I'm sure you put creating something like this as a creator would make you feel really proud. I'd be really proud. Um, yeah. But also just to make it, you know, to give the people in your community or in this case, all over the world at this point, something to look at and enjoy. It's just a kind thing to do. And I think it's incredibly cool. And of course, it helps that it relates to one of my favorite games ever. So all, all right. around, I love this. And, and Katie Milam, she, I mean, she even says it had to be Mario 3. We like the classics. And she kind of touches on why they even did it. And as you said, Steve, this served really no, no monetary purpose for them. They did it j simply to bring a little light into people's lives. And I quote, we hope that people that come by with their kids in the car can tell them and it can trigger childhood memory conversations. And I remember when I played Super Mario, she said. And if somebody who is having a bad day, you want them to drive by and hopefully smile, bring a little bit of joy to people's lives. And I just that's what the holidays are all about. Right. And she said uh, the response has been exactly what they wanted. People honking their horns, hanging out the window, waving at us. Uh, she said we just wanted to spread cheer and silliness and playfulness. And so I figured what a perfect way to start us off after the holidays, because Absolutely. It's, just, it's, it's a feel good story. And uh, you don't see grand transformative, you know, things like this very often done to an entire house so it's really cool yeah and i'll have to make sure to retweet those photos later but uh moving on we're gonna go from nintendo heartwarming to nintendo weird so let's go ahead and get the <laughs> kanye west story up on the screen Whoa. right <laughs> so i don't even know where to begin here but uh former <laughs> noa president reggie <laughs> fijame has revealed that a uh, an opportunity came out while he was still working with a company um an opportunity came about for nintendo to work with kanye west uh essentially saying that kanye approached nintendo and basically said i want to work with you uh and for various reasons it didn't work out uh we can i guess 
we can wax poetic forever on whether that's a good or a bad thing. Yeah. But, uh, but basically, I, uh, Kanye approached them at E3 and spent some time at the Nintendo booth. I guess he was able to spend some time with Miyamoto at the time, but wasn't able to get the meeting he wanted with Reggie and Nintendo in general at E3. So later, he had Nintendo come visit him at his uh, fashion fashion designer office whatever his company is in calabasas and they had this whole meeting and Kanye's like i want to work with you guys and fusion basically said it's not going to happen they were too busy um i don't know what they would have ended up working on it's it's even hard to to imagine though what i mean what kind of game could could kanye work on with nintendo i think i, I mean kanye this isn't even the first time he's expressed interest in creating a game didn't he create True. one about his mom's ascension to heaven or or something real out there before did he he probably i mean this is Kanye anyway, West. So i know I'm he gonna, announced soon he did yeah i i know he announced at some point years and years ago that he was making a video game um or yeah rob Arman x mentions the same thing i'm trying to bring up okay. here less eloquently what wasn't kanye making a mobile game about his mom and god yes so oh, um okay. i i can only imagine that it was just something insanely off the wall like just out yeah. there um Kanye strikes me as the type of artist who has like a uncompromising vision and just it's his way or or not at all. And I can't imagine Nintendo of all companies wanting to take that risk. Like Nintendo is already an incredibly risk averse company. Like (laughs) they do not put themselves out there on things that are not a sure thing. And they have a very clear I, I would say of the three like major players, Nintendo has the clearest image of what they want their brand to be. Uh-huh. And like I think Microsoft or Sony would have would have been much more likely to give him the time of day. But I I understand as someone who is a fellow nerd, like Kanye is definitely a nerd. Yeah. Um I understand that if if I was in his position and stature in the world and I could write my own blank check and get a meeting with freaking <laughs> Miyamoto, I absolutely yeah. would. I, Nintendo sure. would be the company I would choose too. So credit to him for trying but uh i'm not gonna fault nintendo for not going with the pitch on this one because i cannot imagine him making something that was that would sit next to mario (laughs) like i just can't imagine something that would vibe well with nintendo's image coming coming out of his mind so take it take what you will i think that it's i mean i can't you know you miss all the shots you don't take uh (laughs) but i'm but i'm definitely glad he missed this one (laughs) Well, it's it funny, too, because apparently Reggie's initial attempt at kind of politely shutting this idea down kind of blew up in his face. Uh, and this, this, by the way, comes from Nintendo Everything. And uh, the quote from Reggie is that we had so many different projects at Nintendo going on. The possibility of doing something with Kanye just wasn't there. And so I had to find a way to politely decline this opportunity to work with him. I told him, Kanye, you don't want to work with us because we're tough. We're hard. All we do is push for the very best content. We would not be the type of partner you would want to work with. And he looks at me and says, Reggie, you're exactly the type of partner I want because of that reason. It's like, oh, my gosh. Now, there are two things there. One, obviously, that blew up in his face. But two, I'm sure in context, it doesn't it's not as rude as it sounds. But it does sound yeah. as though he's he's throwing shade at Kanye by saying, you know, we do the best stuff. You don't want to work with us or our, our quality standards are too high. I'm sure that's not what he meant. But it yeah. doesn't sound good either. Yeah, no, it definitely doesn't sound good. And and definitely, even as someone who I'm I'm not a fan of Kanye. Um, Same. But even as someone who's not a fan, I probably could have predicted that answer. So, uh-huh. yeah, um, yeah, seems seems like a weird choice to me. 
anyway for for that but right um yeah i mean i'm not going to mourn the loss of of kanye's failed pitch <laughs> but, no. um but he did say reggie did say nintendo walked away with the feeling that kanye has such a passion for the video game space and he's a creator and big deal he also confirmed that kim kardashian was there in attendance as well i don't know why that's important but it's i will story, so. i will say that i can at least attest to the fact that he is a fan of games like um wh- one of my e3s uh i was previewing street fighter 5 um before you know obviously before it came out so 2017 maybe um and he just Mm. showed up like he just showed up and started playing street fighter 5 on one of the preview builds that they had (laughs) out of nowhere and i remember thinking like i I was still kind of sort of new to e3 so i was like dude famous people just show up (laughs) like what is this It, it was weird too because it was such like i mean kanye was not a celebrity i expected to i didn't meet him but you know i was like eight feet away from him and right uh, the same year I was at Bandai Namco's booth testing out a new Naruto game. Um, and I got bumped off because Enrique Iglesias wanted to play. <laughs> what? And I was like, I remember being like, what? Like just random yeah, B-list pop stars show up huh? and I have to leave. Like I was in the middle of recording and they're like, hey, you got to go. That's Enrique so, Iglesias uh, is coming and I was like this is why? the weirdest bump I've ever gotten in my life like I could understand if it was somebody who like was bigger in the game space than me there's plenty of those um yeah but but like a a dude that sells some some CDs from time to time like yeah I'm mean, not even an A-list non-gaming celebrity like yeah. even if it's an A-list non-gaming celebrity it sucks but you can kind of understand right but this is like not even an A-lister yeah, I, I got to go with Rob Arman X, though. He does have more Twitter cred than me. So I guess if he tweeted out that the new Naruto game was cool, maybe that would help. But that's true. I, I doubt he did that. I also never saw him. They just told me he was coming and I had to leave immediately. So I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, to their credit, though, Bandai Namco did like apologize profusely and then sent me like three copies of the game. When it came out for some reason, it was really cool that they even remembered they did that and that they hooked me up after the fact. But it was just uh, it was just the weirdest circumstance ever. Yeah. Well, we've got some great ideas in the chat here from for Kanye related content with Nintendo. Z Patty says, would he have changed Mario boots to Yeezys? Whereas Rob Arman X says Kanye speared for Smash. And my favorite one one two says Splatoon music DLC, but it's Kanye songs. That can you imagine playing oh Splatoon to Kanye songs? No. Oh man, I can't either. It's it's probably better that we don't. Yeah. Um on that note, uh let's let's keep things on Nintendo uh and move on over to our Marikar story. All right. And this was pretty interesting. So Nintendo has finally won a multi-year lawsuit against a, against an outfit in Japan called Marikar, which you may have seen pictures of before it's basically a a service in japan i think believe it's in akihabara uh that lets you essentially race real life mario karts uh or (laughs) mario kart-esque karts around the streets of of akiba i believe it's akiba and um clearly there's major copyright infringement going on here and for some reason this this case took three years to decide because it uh nintendo originally filed the lawsuit back in 2017 but now as of today uh and this comes by way of go nintendo by the way uh japan's supreme court has ruled in favor of nintendo and marikar now owes nintendo 50 million yen wow which i mean but if you look at the service they were offering and you look at the costumes and the 
the clearly Mario Kart inspired kart designs. How else did they think this was going to end? How else could it have ended? So interestingly, 112 and Jared Edinger uh, appear to have a little bit more context on this story. So, uh, oh, great. 112 says, I actually support Nintendo on this lawsuit. These people caused hell for traffic in this area. Right. I uh, heard apparently about that. caused a lot of issues with traffic flow. And uh, Jared Edinger says, I think it's more than just Akiba because that wasn't where he saw it. Uh, so that's interesting. I, I know very little about this story. You know, I, I know the broad strokes that these guys very clearly copied Nintendo and let yeah. people drive carts around, which I imagine um, I've never been to Japan. I know you have, Ash. Um, but I imagine just getting around on foot there is already a hassle. So uh, having people taking right. Mario Kart tours might be might add to that pain. So I mean, but yeah. plus, even if you take that the social responsibility aspect out of it, I mean, they're very clearly just ripping off Mario Kart down to the name Mario Kart. Yeah, <laughs> like... Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and and doing so in in the course of of promoting a business that could result in real life injuries. I mean, this is something that's not necessarily safe or kosher so i mean there are so many reasons nintendo would have wanted to file suit against them and i'm i'm surprised it took them this long to win i i am with uh with you rob Armand X and 112 i totally support nintendo in this uh and i say that as someone who came very close to being able to try this when i was in japan one of the times uh we just never got around to it unfortunately but i did see uh apparently this happens in places other than uh, than akihabara but where i saw it uh you know actually happening in front of me was akiba and uh, it seemed really cool. I wanted to try it, but I just never got around to it. Uh, and perhaps now, now I never will, because <laughs> I don't know if it'll still be a thing when I go back next time. But uh, yeah, you know, I do remember it causing traffic issues when I saw it. It doesn't seem like the safest thing. So I, you know, I don't know if they're going to try to rebrand themselves as something not Marikar, something other, <laughs> I don't know, some generic... Maybe maybe we'll get crash team thing. crash team racing cards. Yeah, cra- crash car. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know if this is enough to sink them. Fifty million yen—that's a lot of money. Uh, that might just put them out of business. Who knows? But maybe they'll try to rebrand and do something that's not so outwardly and obviously riffing on uh, Mario, you know, the Mario Kart IP. So, uh, oh, there's another another siren. That's siren number two. I like uh, Charlie Bird's suggestion, Sonic Car. <laughs> Sonic Car, yeah, I love that. I love that. And uh, Garfield to... Car. Garfield, God. Um, going back to the previous story really quick, I did not know about this, but uh, Azran127 says, now they're thinking back to Wiz Khalifa filing copyright strikes on Chrono Trigger because he samples Scala's theme in a song. I didn't know that. Wow. That is so fucked straight up if, if he knows he sampled scholar's theme and he's filing copyright strikes against chrono trigger music what? yeah that's awful i had never heard about that thank you for the uh for that that knowledge drop Azran. that's wild wow um speaking of wild we've got some cyberpunk news to share with everybody it's just the the news train that just keeps on giving and uh we, there's a lot to unpack here so essentially Things have gone from bad to worse for CD Projekt Red in the aftermath of uh, Cyberpunk 2077's launch, uh, launch, very problematic launch at that, and that is that CDPR's investors have now filed suit against the company uh, in retaliation for the damages incurred, they feel they've incurred, from Cyberpunk 2077's disastrous launch. And uh, so they're getting it on all sides now, from the fans, from the investors, 
And, you know, it's not hard to see why they they bungled this launch, I mean, more than they possibly could have, I think. I mean, I think it's just, it was such a stumbling out of the gate. And it's it's not as though they stumbled and then they kind of recovered. They've continued to stumble. Um, yeah. <laughs> and perf- a perfectly emblematic, uh, or a point that's perfectly emblematic of that is that uh, they did finally release a patch for the PC version that fixes that save corruption bug, but it doesn't fix your corrupted save. So that's great. If <laughs> You can start a new game if you want, but if you already had your save corrupted, too bad, deal with it. It's, yeah. You know, uh, it is, just continues to be a mess. This is tough for me because I feel like I'm on the periphery of this because I've had, you know, I'm done with the game. I beat it a while ago. Um, But I've not had any of, like, the huge problems people are having. And I feel bad because as a critic, you know, I I try to paint a picture of of my experience. And I I generally largely experience that whatever I find with a game is is the same for the people that end up playing it after after my review or my work is done. And uh, the, the experience that I'm seeing online is so different from what I played. Um, Right. And I, uh, I mean, I, I like the game. I don't think it's, I don't think it's the revolutionary groundbreaking title people expected or wanted it to be. I don't think even if it had no bugs that it would be that. I think it would be a perfectly fine uh, RPG. I think it would be one of those, you know, not remarkable, but not bad by any stretch. I think I would probably, I, I mentioned this somewhere on a previous episode, that I probably, had it been a perfectly finely tuned game, probably would have would have reached great vibes instead of just good for me. But it never sure. would have been not, even in a perfect world, it never would have come close to hitting pure bliss at all. Right. Um and I think that's fine. You know, it, it could still it, it would have been one of one of the better experiences I had this year if it had been launched in a better state. Um, sure. But that being said, like I keep thinking about it, you know, and I'm like, man, I love the world. I love the characters. I would love to have a good reason to go back. I don't yeah. have that. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and, and maybe in six months I will have that reason. Maybe multiplayer will come out and it'll be fun and all the platform bugs will be ironed out and we'll actually have a next gen version. I don't know. But um, I got to say, like, I I look at all this and I, again, you know, I I say this a lot about a lot of different topics on this show, but games are not created by one person and there's not one decision maker in any of these companies that make these bad decisions. So again, I have to think that there had to be someone saying, man, if we release it like this, we are going to get sued. Like someone yeah. somewhere in CDPR, you imagine had to like raise their hand and be like, this is going to cost us lots of money if we release it like this, like more than you guys want to spend. And a group of people had to agree that, yep, nope, we'll just do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. that is amazing to me. It's always amazing to me because I think about, you know, the small decisions in my life. And if someone gives me a dissenting opinion, like I'll sit there and puzzle over that for hours you know i'll be like am i really making a mistake is this truly a bad decision i'm about to make um you know i mean we recently launched a whole new channel (laughs) that that didn't happen you know without any thought going into it it's like oh boy what are we about to do to ourselves right um so i don't know i i i try to feel sympathy for cdpr and the only thing i can come up with is that i feel truly truly bad for the rank and file developers, right. artists, you know, it, it sucks because 
these guys probably went from the craziest high of their careers being attached to the biggest, most hyped game of the year, you know, to being the subject of ridicule. And yeah, it is. I, I want to point this out because we talk about this game too much, but it is categorically not the fault of the average person that worked on this no. game, that it is the way it is. It is absolutely the fault of the executives who decided it had to come out now. This yeah. is bad management, not poor development. Like, I will not accept people saying, you know, the people that poured their souls into this game and worked a stupid amount of hours, an unconscionable amount on this, uh, are bad at their jobs. They they aren't. Yeah. They, you don't get a job in game dev by being, on the biggest game of the year, by being bad at your job. Uh, you, you end up getting smeared inadvertently when someone decides that your work, though unfinished, needs to be released to meet a financial goal. Yeah, I mean this. So. This is where where that that damn L word rears its ugly head, and I, I hate I hate it every time I hear it. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Game developers are not lazy. Yeah, the, game development is not a lazy thing. It, it's too difficult. If, if you're going to get into game development, it's not because you're a lazy person. It's tough, and you know it, this is exactly the kind of stuff that causes people to lame to to label game devs as la- lazy. And it's as Steve said, it's it. This is on the execs. This the suits that forced this game to come out when it did and and not at all on the rank and file developers who poured not only hours upon hours of their lives we're talking about eight or nine years of their careers this game was made across the span of like eight or nine years you don't you don't spend that much of on your life that much of your life on something because you're lazy yeah yeah to, to contextualize this when this game was announced i did not have children i have four children now right uh you know and one of them is almost eight so she's about as old as cyberpunk uh that is terrifying so yeah it's it's a lot that people poured into creating this and it it sucks that it was rushed out the door this way because i would have given them another six months and and made it right the first time around so i feel for you folks at cdpr i hope that y'all can can uh move past this and and put put this game behind you i hope we can put it behind us soon but here, here's the the ugly truth though is i i found this story on inverse.com kind of adding some some extra context to all this despite this disastrous launch despite all the the bullshit that has happened surrounding cyberpunk it has still managed to sell 13 million copies so far so it is it, it it's considered by any measure to be a massive success and that unfortunately i think sends yeah. all the wrong messages it really does. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. This is the way the industry is. Uh, marketing is a hell of a tool, you know, yeah. and any amount of negative backlash can't really counteract, counteract effective marketing. Not right now, anyway. Uh, there are huge changes that have to happen all over the industry, um, you know, but that'll take time and it will take people withholding their funds. Like if you don't buy a game that is, uh, you know, if you if you disagree and you're actually willing to put your wallet where your your money where your mouth is then stuff like this might you know continue but hopefully you know journalism journalists are doing a much better job shining a light on this kind of stuff and there is there is negative backlash i just hope that at some point that equates to lost sales yeah and and of course we don't know how much of those profits that the all the refunds have cut into of course so that doesn't tell the whole story so yeah we'll we'll see where things go from here we'll see if the investor lawsuit is ultimately successful 
Uh, I'm not a legal expert, so I can't possibly you know make any sort of predictions on that end, on that end. But CDPR has got a has a has a continued long term shitstorm ahead of them. I think. Yeah. And I don't expect this to uh, to, you know, to go away anytime soon, for better and worse, as you said, Steve. Because I'm kind of tired of talking about Cyberpunk too. <laughs> um, with that said, though, let's go ahead and wrap up with uh, some positive news. Three of our favorite developers have uh, teased about what they're working on uh, for the next year going into 2021. So let's go start with Square Enix. All right. Throwing that up on the screen now. All right. And this comes from uh, Famitsu by way of My Nintendo News. And uh, a few Square Enix employees have chatted to Famitsu about their plans for 2021. Now, there's nothing hugely groundbreaking here, uh, more confirmation of, of things you'd already expect, but it's still nice to know. Uh, so, three main points here. Uh, Bravely Default 2 producer Tomoya Asano or Asano mentioned that he hopes the game will be successful and to move on to the next game afterward. So that pretty much seems to be implicitly confirming that if Bravely Default 2 does well, that the Bravely series will continue. Uh, you know, and, and hopefully I'm crossing my fingers, that means we'll actually get Bravely Third and not Bravely Default Three. You know, like I, I want yeah. a proper conclusion to the original Bravely Default, Bravely Second story. Uh, it second for those of you who played it, they know that it ends on a massive cliffhanger, massive. Oh, and no. default two is a completely new, new story, new world, no, no ties to second. And that's fine, but I still want to go back to bravely third. So hopefully that's where they go from default two, if, uh, the game is successful, which I assume it, it probably will be. Um, moving on, producer Masashi Takahashi, who also worked on Octopath Traveler, uh, also added that there has been progress made in parallel on other games and i assume that means in parallel to bravely default 2 so who knows what that means maybe they're working on an octopath sequel um you know possibly uh what what do you get from that steve uh you know i'm i'm not very far up on the development of of these games but i have to imagine square enix is is working on multiple projects at any given time which amazes me because i feel like they take longer to release anything than <laughs> right. any other triple a studio in the world um yeah apparently i had the fatal frame story up i apologize i got some oh, some things no out worries. of order we'll be talking about fatal frame soon yeah exactly. <laughs> but uh i i feel like um i i would imagine that whatever they're it's hard because i've never been on the inside of game development like you have um other than like a brief stint queuing for konami in the late 90s let's not talk about that <laughs> but, <laughs> Fair enough. Um, konami's a terrible place we'll just leave it at that but um yeah. i uh I, I imagine that you know they have to be deep in the planning stages of whatever comes next as they wrap up development of anything right so i i imagine that we could be getting another octopath style game like the art style was so well received that it's hard to believe yeah. they just abandon it completely right 100%. and I Square Enix Square Enix has to has to know that they've kind of missed the mark somewhat on whatever that I I don't even know how to describe it but whatever that hook is that 16-bit RPGs had like I am Setsuna didn't scratch that itch for me uh, yeah. Octopath didn't really get its hooks into me either and I think that's because I was expecting something more akin to like a Final Fantasy VI or a Chrono Trigger that's sure. what I want when I think 16-bit RPG I think those those magical like you know genre defining life-changing rpgs that did so much with so little in terms of technology and i i mean it's all in the narrative and i just haven't found that in any of their more recent efforts so i hope you know that said octopath visually completely nailed everything i want 
out of an RPG oh, yeah. that's a more simplistic non AAA game. So give me something with the story of Chrono Trigger and the visuals of Octopath, and I will be the happiest oh, yeah. dude in the world. Please keep trying until you yeah. get it right. <laughs> and and bring Yasunori Nishiki back because Octopath soundtrack is just top 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 tier. And, nice. Uh, and, and and Octopath came so close, right? Like I really enjoy the game, but it didn't quite hit that mark for me, as you were saying, Steve, mainly because the story, while there was a, a decent story there, it was very disjointed and there were there were very few organic interactions between the cast. You, know, you were basically playing eight separate stories and you know, you had these kind of like separate interaction scenes just you know, to kind of inorganically get some character development there. But the the party didn't exist in a natural organic way among amongst one another right you didn't you didn't get yeah. that natural building of camaraderie among the cast it would they, they were very canned interactions between specific characters and it just didn't yeah it didn't come off in the same way something like ff6 or chrono trigger would but uh as 112 says in the chat if they remade chrono trigger or ff6 in the visual style oh yeah traveler as as uh, one one two also said, they think both uh, both of us would explode, Steve. I think that's absolutely <laughs> true. Yeah, one hundred percent. I don't know yeah. that I'd make it to the release of that game. My soul would leave my body immediately. Oh my god, I don't even know how I would even cope. I would be so excited. Um, but moving on to the final point here for Square Enix, uh, Dragon Quest series producer Noriyoshi Fujimoto said that he'd like to announce something for the thirty fifth anniversary of the franchise in twenty twenty one. So uh, nothing, nothing confirmed there, but it seems to be pretty implicit that they are hopefully building sword towards some kind of announcement, uh, Dragon Quest related for 2021, and perhaps it could even be Dragon Quest 12. Maybe it's time. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I mean, I want to see what happens next for Dragon Quest. I've still not played nearly enough of 11, but yeah. Dragon Quest is one of those series that I look at it and I'm like. I really need to play these. I owe it to yeah. myself to play these. And that is, uh, that's rare. Like usually if I see a game, I'm, I'm like, if, if I get past like the month of launch without ever playing it, I usually write it off forever, which is a terrible way to do things. But, um, as someone with limited time, I'm like, whatever, but I keep going back to, uh, 11 i've heard you and derek and and john oh. and everybody else talk about it enough to what where i'm game. like i have to play this game it is yeah. really important and to hear it even mentioned in the same breath as chrono trigger i really have to play this game um it really is just phenomenal and yeah. then i also you know i i bought my brother i think i've said this before i, I bought him i believe dragon quest 8 for the ps2 maybe it was oh, okay. 7 um whichever one had the had the uh hero that had the bandana and like That's the eight. long coat. Okay, it is eight. Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember watching him play that and just being like, "Wow, I need to play this too." Uh -huh. <laughs> and I never got around to that either. So, uh, I eleven, I'm gonna vow to beat it in 2021. I I sincerely hope because the series is just interesting enough for me that we get a peek at what twelve is gonna be like. Because I do get excited every time a new Dragon Quest is announced, even though I invariably don't play them. Um, so I'm I'm really interested to see what lies ahead for the series. Especially Especially, uh, you know, because we're we're in a new generation now. I want to know if we're going to get Dragon Quest Twelve on the PS Five or the Xbox right. Series X, or if there's still going to be last gen games. If we're going to get it on the Switch or whatever comes after the Switch, because <laughs> uh, I yeah. feel like by the end of 2021 we'll have the answer to that question too. So, um, yeah, I would I would love to see some more of a uh, Dragon Quest. I think from Square that and 
Final Fantasy Remake Episode 2 are the things I'm I'm most excited for. Like, I really want to know more about Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2. Oh, I am so... they Yeah, whenever they drop that, I will be there day zero, uh, day pre-zero if possible. I mean, yeah, I, in a broad sense, FF7 Remake Part 2 is probably the game that I'm most hyped for in general in the next however many years it takes them to get it out. Yes. Um, I Yeah. <laughs> one thing that breaks my heart... Um, it's okay for us to talk about this, but back in the Game Explained days, um, Square Enix had reached out to me about a Final Fantasy VII Remake preview event. And it, I I love preview events in general. Same. Like, I love traveling. I love going to, like, you know, they put you up in a hotel. You go to, like, a, a, a conference room. If you're lucky, they'll feed you. And you play a game while you talk to the people that made the game. Cool. But... Square Enix had this plan to go all out. It was in right. LA, right near Ash's house, and they had sent me the materials for this. They were going to recreate Wall Market in LA oh, and fly God. us out there and let us go play the game in Wall Market. And I was like, I I don't fanboy very much, right? And I was fanboying hard i was like oh my god yes of course yes. and i had set it up for derek and ash to go and i was just you know they they were only gonna fly derek out and ash lived around the corner from the place they were gonna do this and i was like it's like a six hour drive for me but i'm just gonna do it i'm crashing this thing i'm going nice. to and we were all set to go and then they just canceled the whole event like out of nowhere like i mean two days before i mean we we had had yeah. conversations flights had been booked I mean, it was ready to go, and Square just didn't just remove us from the event. They canceled the entire thing, uh, which is why nobody ever saw this real-world wall market. <laughs> and to this day, I mourn the loss of that event because I'm like, I getting to stand in Midgar would have been yeah. the coolest thing in the world for me. Um, so I don't know what happened. I don't know their internal reasoning, uh, you know. I'm obviously not mad at them. The game came out great, but uh, yeah. definitely a little sad at the loss of uh, being able to see what that would have been like, especially because, um, and I, I can't share this, but they had sent me like some little pictures of what it was going to look like, and it looked dope. So oh, man. Maybe maybe for, for episode two, they'll they'll take all the money they spent on that and rebuild it or something, but... You never know. God. Yeah, that that's that's such a shame. Do you know what was the around what was the timing of the event? Was it anywhere close enough to the pandemic outbreak that that might be the reason they? I don't I think remember, so. Like December or I want to say it was November or December. Okay, so probably a little too soon for for them to cancel for that reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So I don't know what happened, but yeah, it was definitely uh definitely on it was unfortunate but maybe maybe someday square will invite us back to that mythical preview event maybe they'll hold it yes. for another episode because i am down if you're listening square we we will go <laughs> yeah if you, if you want to reconstruct uh you know gungaga on on an, on an island somewhere if you want to fly us out to an island put us up we're we're down to do that <laughs> you know well we'll give you all the ideas that, that you can deliver for us if you want <laughs> but uh no, that that would have been amazing, and it's a shame. But uh, you know, bringing it back to Dragon Quest, I am a died in the wool DQ fan after eleven. I always uh, appreciated and respected the series from a distance prior to playing eleven, but I had never really been into it myself. But after playing DQ eleven, I am absolutely all in for whatever nice. they're doing with the series. As I've said before, DQ eleven is one of the very best JRPGs I've ever played in my life, and uh, 
I'm looking forward to what DQ12 turns out to be. Um, I saw a couple of uh, uh, suggestions in the chat from 112 and Rob Armin X uh, that it could be Dragon Dragon Quest 4, to, 4 through 6 on the Switch would make some sense. And I agree. That that actually does make a lot of sense. We already have 1 through 3 on the Switch. So that would be cool. on that. Who knows? But yeah, so that's uh, that wraps up our, our Square Enix teases uh, for now. But uh, let's go ahead and talk about the news story that was on the screen uh, by accident while we were talking about this. <laughs> All right, and, uh, yeah. now. Cool. And uh, this this has me personally very hopeful and hyped, and that is that uh, Koei Tecmo is teasing that they could be working on something for the Fatal Frame series' 20th anniversary. And I have made no secret of the fact uh, in the past that I love the Fatal Frame series. So... There hasn't really been going uh, much going on with it since Maiden of Blackwater came out on uh, Wii U. I think it was in what, 2015, I believe. Uh, so it's been a good, you know, five years or so, almost six, since we've seen anything happening with the series. And I'd say it's past time. It's high time. Like when I think of my favorite survival horror series, I think Silent Hill, uh, Resident Evil, of course. But but more than that, Fatal Frame. Like for me, it's Silent Hill, Fatal Frame, and uh, I love both these series. And yeah, I don't know if they could actually get the funding for a brand new game. I don't think these games tend to sell all that well, unfortunately, at least not the more recent titles. I know Fatal Frame 4 didn't even make it out of Japan. So uh, maybe maybe a remaster collection, though, maybe a remaster of Maiden of Blackwater. Uh, Steve, I know you're not a big survival horror guy, so I assume you don't have too much to say about this. Yeah, yeah. Fatal Frame isn't really my thing. Um I, I have some very, very limited experience. Uh, I want to say there was a Wii entry in the franchise. My brother, Yeah, that was four. Yeah, my brother, again, is a huge, huge uh, Fatal Frame fan. I've watched him play some of them, but never really interested me. I was like, oh, it's Pokemon Snap, but scary. Like, <laughs> I, I, uh, but again, I, I usually nope the hell out of scary games. So right. um, definitely not my thing, but I... I I love it when fans get stuff like this. Like it always lifts my yeah. spirits to see, you know, that you can think a franchise is all but forgotten and then surprise, you know, there's some, there's something coming. So I hope that this is not just a empty tease. Konami is definitely not my favorite company in the world, but I would love to see the fans of fatal frame get a new game. Cause uh, I think it was said in the chat, it's been six years and yeah, that so, is uh, yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, one one two uh, specified that Blackwater was twenty fourteen. So thank you for that correction. So yeah, it's been even. It's been almost seven years now. Uh, it's been yeah, j just about seven years. And uh, yeah, it, it's well, this is actually perfect. Uh, where is it? Uh, Azran also said in before a collection called an album. Of course, Fatal Frame needs a collection called an album. That sells yeah. itself. That would be pretty um, good. Yeah, I I, re I reviewed uh, Maiden of Blackwater on Wii U for uh, Game Explain, and I really enjoyed the game. Um, I remember at the time Derek was talking some shit like, "Oh, it doesn't really seem that scary." I don't I don't actually believe that he really played it or that he played it in the <laughs> like like you know by myself at night, uh, you know, with w in the dark, all the lights off. He was like, "No, it's not scary." Nah, screw that. Maiden of Blackwater was terrifying, and I refuse to believe. That Derek played Man. in the same conditions I did. I Shots fired. Yeah, no, and he's not. He's not here to defend himself. So maybe he can uh, address this on on our next show. But yeah, cardboard card um, Derek getting called yeah. out here. <laughs> well, because he he always he kept making fun of me at the time. Like, oh wow, you're a really easy target, Ash. Like, it really isn't that scary. I don't know. I don't fully believe that he he played it in the same scary, desolate setting that I did. So. 
<laughs> Podunku in the chat says, imagine if Derek joined in right now. I know, right? I, that I would be the best would. possible time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I really hope there's something here. Um, the actual quote uh, comes from, um, let's see. Oh, okay, so it's, it's interesting. The quote comes from Konami developer Keisuke Kikuchi, who is the producer behind Fatal Frame, even though Fatal Frame isn't a Konami series, which that's interesting. But he said, 2020 was a year where things that were normal were no longer normal. I'd like to look at what's important and what I love once more and create a game with a fresh perspective. 2021 is also the 20th anniversary of the Fatal Frame series, so I'd like to celebrate it in some way, if possible. Um, I don't like the way he says also. that it almost, it almost sounds like an afterthought, uh, that maybe they're not planning anything big, but even just some re-releases, like a, a compilation pack would be fine with me so we'll see uh we'll see where it goes but with that said uh speaking of konami let's go ahead and uh, get our last story up on screen all righty here we go and uh this is pr- pretty quick but also just some cool news um konami has confirmed that there are plans for a new announcement concerning bomberman soon uh, and they're asking us to please look forward to it and with Konami these days, that's a pretty tall order. It's really hard to look forward to anything Konami asks us to look forward to because there's just so there's such a shadow of their former selves. And that's not to say they don't deliver sometimes. Uh, I think most people think Super Bomberman R and the various ports of it have been a good thing for Bomberman. Um, but, you know, then we also get things like Metal Gear Survive and, <laughs> and you know, and the whole MGS5 <laughs> debacle. So it's really hard to see, uh, to know how excited we should get. But, uh, yeah, Konami has, uh, specifically, Konami game designer Noriaki Okamura uh, announced in Famitsu that the company has plans to reveal a new Bomberman game soon. So, what could it be? Uh, as, as the My Nintendo News story uh, opines, it could be Super Bomberman R Online, it could be a new Bomberman Core game, or it could, unfortunately, be a mobile game. We don't really know. Uh, are you a Bomberman fan, Steve? We haven't really I, talked about it too much. I am. I do enjoy nice. Bomberman, so... Actually, one thing I've been wanting to do, and I, I need to try it, uh, I'm going to say the the S word. I would like to play Bomberman on Stadia with <laughs> our audience. So uh, Bomberman, I want to say that the Stadia version supports like 100 players or some absurd number. And that you can oh, wow. stream directly to your channel from it. And it's like one of the only Stadia games that supports the feature where... You literally click a button on your favorite YouTuber stream and it dumps you into their game. And I've always wanted to try that like as a multiplayer stream idea, because apparently I think now that Stadia is like struggling, you know, outwardly, they uh, uh-huh. they they give everyone like two free months or something. They'll give you free hardware. It has all you know, it's in it's in its death throes, which I hate to say, but because um, yeah. a lot of people worked hard on making it you know, regardless of critical reception. Um, but you can, you can hop in for free for two months and then join, join the game on Stadia. And it is one of uh Bomber, super Bomberman R was awesome when the switch came out. And I yeah. imagine being able to play it with 99 other people would be really awesome. So um, oh, Bomberman yeah. has always been one of my go-to like since the nineties. When I say always, I mean, longer than many of our audience members have been alive has been one of my favorite multiplayer experiences. Like, you know, I remember getting the SNES and the multi tap out and, and playing with my friends after high school, you know, like, uh, you know, chugging crystal Pepsi, playing Bomberman on my parents' shag carpeted floor. Like, uh, you know, so I have a long history with, uh, 
with a uh, bomber man and one one two happy birthday. Sorry, yeah, seeing that in the chat that. right now. You should have you should have said that sooner. Happy birthday. Yeah, I'm sorry birthday. I am so old in comparison to you. <laughs> but um yeah, so anytime I hear about a new Bomberman, my ears perk up because I even I even enjoyed, you know, like Bomberman sixty four. I thought that was great. Like I it, Same. it's it's a cheesy, like weird take on Bomberman, but I freaking love that game. Um Same. I, I would say that I, I enjoy Bomberman games far more, you know, I can't think of a Bomberman game I hate. So, um, right. I'm sure there is Except one. Except Zero, hopefully. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I've erased that one from my memory. That's a trauma right. I don't want to relive. But, um, yeah, I, I am very excited for something new to come out. I would love to get um, – basically like a Tetris 99 style Bomberman going on the Switch, you know, a more viable platform where I can just have tons of people to play it with. Cause I think a massively multiplayer competitive Bomberman would be really, really fun. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, and, and going back into the series history a bit, I was always a huge fan of Super Bomberman 2 on the Super Nintendo. And nice. I'd love to see that brought into Super Nintendo online. Yeah. With, you know, existing, you know, because that, that's one of the few games that supported the multi-tap for eight players. So let's get an eight-player enabled Super Bomberman nice. 2 on uh, Super Nintendo online. I'd be so down with that. Dude, that would be um, awesome. Yeah, I, I love that series, though. Yeah, same. I, I'm, I'm a big Bomberman guy. I played so many late-night multiplayer, you know, sessions with friends growing up in uh, 64 and Super Bomberman 2. And uh, it's it's just, yeah, it's a great series. I never played Saturn Bomberman, but I've I, I heard neither. that's supposed to be one of the very best ones. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, Konami, for all, all the crap we can talk about them right now, they did deliver with Super Bomberman R. Uh, it, they even delivered with a bunch of crossover character, like uh, crossover bombers yep. based on various Alucard. characters. Alucard and uh, the Vic Viper and Pyramid Head. And uh, so that was really cool. So clearly it's still something they care about. Um, hopefully, hopefully we'll see something soon, whatever they're actually working on. And uh, I want to go back in the chat really quick before we wrap up. Yeah, because Azran127, our resident pun master, uh, when we were talking about Fatal Frame, they said, I'd shudder to think what would happen if Fatal Frame didn't come to Switch. It lends itself well to it. And wow. Said, that was really good. So I had to go back and highlight that. Um, Azran, I am impressed as always. Yes, yes. But, uh, well, with that, we have uh, reached the end of our news journey today. So, uh, Steve, I'd, I'd ask you where our audience can find you, but they already know because we didn't have a special guest today. Which you're is, here. <laughs> yeah, you're here. We're already here. So you know where you can find us. Um, but uh, of course, before we, we head out, we do have to thank all of our, uh, our patrons at the producer tier and above, uh, for helping to make this show happen because, uh, it would not happen without you. So thank you so much. Thank you eternally for helping us, uh, make the show a reality and make our, the channel a reality. Uh, in addition though, of course, a huge huge thank you to our patrons at the executive producer tier and above and those wonderful people include rob arman x dan and twistle z patty adam o'sullivan floating mew christopher the d-pad vesmio waffle king kieran phillips benny yao rosa bowling aka mama bowling hi mom geller <laughs> shiny turkey titus malvolio jake pelka michael phone mitchell herring jay acosta game explain charles saz Andrew Medeiros, Jonathan Bellmare, Kitty Kong Fax, Patrick Harrison, 112, Scott Barber, Evernight Studio, Rocks the Cat, Loyal Dingo, Azran127, 
Phantom 23, Sean Garrett, Shadow the Cat, and Guillaume Monet. Uh, now, of course, remember, you too can become a patron over at patreon.com slash gvgaming, where you can support us at uh, whatever uh, whatever level makes sense for you. Uh, for just $5 a month, though, you can watch Today's News Tonight live and interact with us and our special guests throughout the show, uh, like our live viewers have been today. But we do have tiers that uh, ranging from as little as $1 a month uh, and going up to like 25 and above, so... Yeah, if you can uh, support us, we'd super appreciate it. But even if you can't and you're just here watching the show, we love you anyway. Uh, we're just happy you're here with us and uh, liking our content and uh, supporting us that way, too. So regardless, thank you so much. And uh, that's about all we have for you today. So if you enjoyed this video, please like and subscribe as usual. Uh, but uh, otherwise, until next time, good night and good vibes. Bye, everyone.